You're listening to the Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures from multifamily properties, mobile homes to Bitcoin mining. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets and finally create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. Today, I want to go into detail about wealth without Wall Street and how to make your first alternative investment. I know it seems overwhelming to step out from the traditional stocks and bonds and a lot of fear, a lot of worries. It's completely understandable. The good news is there's more information than ever available about how to start the process. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, these were backroom country club deals, very quiet. You weren't even allowed to advertise. So fund investors had to be very careful. You could only talk to someone you had a pre-existing relationship with. Internet and some of the rule changes and social media, now it's pretty easy to advertise. The only catch is that we are only allowed to work with accredited investors. But many of you, you see tons of information now about multifamily, mobile homes, self-storage, and it's a lot to digest. And one of the reasons we launched this podcast is to really provide help and support and and details and, and case studies and, and our own personal experiences. So hopefully you enjoy. I want to talk about some key factors and things I see in the market right now and reasons why people have been hesitant. First thing is, why hasn't my financial advisor told me about it? And there's a range of answers here, ranges from ignorance to conflicts of interest. Look, I mean, there's some great financial advisors, but a majority of them, I think, are mediocre at best. And for the most part, just salespeople. They go in, they're trained on stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, industry sectors. And it's that boring traditional stuff, which is just mediocre at best, in my opinion. And higher earning professionals deserve better. Depending on where financial advisor works, they may not even have access to private real estate funds or syndications. It's usually pretty rare unless you're at real high net worth type groups where they have separate wealth management division for people worth five or $10 million or more, but it's largely not available. And most advisors at best will recommend REITs. And for higher earning professionals, REITs are not always a great deal. First things first, the amount of marketing dollars to go public and the amount of legal and compliance, once a company goes public, they can get away with paying a lower return. That's why the average dividend on a REIT is only 5%. And that's actually taxed at a much higher rate. If you're already paying the top tax bracket for a REIT, you're going to get taxed at 29.6%. Whereas on a private real estate deal through a syndication, you're generally earning your money tax-free. And there's typically a 6 to an 8% preferred return where that has to be paid first before the sponsor gets any extra incentives. With REITs, they can cut the dividend at any time. Any quarter, they could just decide, okay, they have to distribute 90%, but if the market's down and they're losing money, they could just cut the dividend to in line with their lower income and it doesn't accrue and there's really no recourse for you as an investor. On private deals, number one, you're earning income tax deferred because you show a loss on paper while you're still earning cash flow. And number two, you have to get back your principal plus your preferred return before any management incentives or any profit split goes to your operating partner. So the incentives are much better aligned on private real estate deals. Some people ask, well, are private real estate or syndication deals risky? You know what's risky right now? The stock market's down 20% this year. It's like a roller coaster. I think the stock market is way more risky and you have way less control. 
buying one single family house, that can be risky too. You're not diversified at all. One tenant that can't be evicted for six months or a year because of government regulations, that can be very risky. And also just your time. If you're working a full-time job, you have another business, the amount of time that you have to dedicate to try to be an active investor, that's a risk and that's an opportunity cost for you. So for many, it's just not worth it. A lot of people think they can do it better themselves. And it's certainly possible, but in my opinion, unlikely. One of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books, he quotes that it takes 10,000 hours to master something. And look, if your goal is to build an entire business and over the course of three, five, 10 years, turn yourself into a multifamily operator, that's great. That's a great goal. And if that's the case, certainly go for it. With that said, if you're just getting started, it's actually better to invest passively alongside a partner, an experienced expert, and learn the business. And this way you can move forward, learn the business with a lot less initial risk. I have heard of a number of recent horror stories of people who dove in and tried to buy 50 or 100 unit building by themselves without having an experienced partner with them. And a few people got caught off guard when interest rates moved and they hadn't, they didn't structure their deals properly and lost significant earnest money deposits. Once you put in a letter of intent and you start your diligence, there's a point and it's often very quickly in the process that you need to have non-refundable deposits. And just saw a story last week of someone who lost $175,000 in non-refundable deposits because they couldn't pull the deal together to close. Last year, there was a deal that we were pitched as an investor. They wanted us to come in and invest passively, and we didn't really like the deal. And they failed to raise enough money, and they lost a half a million dollar deposit they had to walk away from. The biggest one I've heard of recently, we actually benefited from it because we're still invested in two property package in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was under contract to sell as the rates moved and the loan to values dropped significantly. There was a point a year ago where you can generally get 80% loan to value, only need to put 20% equity into a purchase. With rates moving, many deals are 35% down, or in some cases, even 40% of equity needed of down payment and the senior loan for only 60%. So there was a group that lost $2 million in deposits they forfeited to the properties we're invested in. So it's unfortunate for them, but for us, it's a good windfall, gives us a lot more, basically pays for our budget for renovating as well. And we're continuing to renovate units, grow our rents by you know, raising rents on a renovated unit for, I think it's roughly three to $400 a month of increased rental income once we renovate an apartment. So it was basically the main point here I'm saying is that you need to be very careful trying to do things yourself. It's actually real benefit to partner with experienced groups. And that's why at JCAM, we've done that. We've invested with 15 plus very experienced uh, sponsors and they're great partners and things are going extremely well. I want to share a couple details on recently closed transactions. This one we've advertised a few months ago, but our property in Phoenix, it was North Phoenix. We owned it a year and two days. It was originally planned to be a three-year deal. Actually got a higher price in a year than we were originally projecting in three years. So the projected internal rate of return, which loosely correlates to an annual return, but it's just an Excel formula. So we projected a 20% IRR. The actual IRR was 97%. We almost doubled our money. Rent growth on that deal was 29% above previous rents across the board. Now, some apartments were up 50 to 75%, but the overall gross operating income was 29%. We also had a very recent exit about 45 days ago in Greenville, South Carolina, originally planned for a five-year hold. 
and held at 1.8 years. The projected internal rate of return was 16.3%, and the actual realized return was 35.7%, and rents were up 21% over that time. So that's a great success story. And the other key factor about the Greenville deal is that was sold after interest rates moved. So I believe that's a very, very telling fact that even with rates moving, there's still profitable sales happening. The group that bought it was a local family office. I don't know for sure, but I believe that they used 10-year debt. And if you look at interest rates, they're inverted right now. So the 10-year is higher, but not nearly as high. It has not moved as much as the two-year. So for those that have a long-term outlook, there's still great opportunities to buy with fixed rate debt and hold for long-term. So we are looking at a few new deals for Fund 2 right now. And it's a great time of year to be talking to all of our past investors as well as current investors. So getting a lot of great feedback, a lot of questions about concerns, questions about the market and how we're handling interest rates. And it's great. I enjoy that. We've had almost half of our investors have made a second investment, whether they re-upped in Fund 1 before it closed and have joined us in Fund 2. So we've actually deployed less money this year than we had in Fund 1 when we started over the same time frame. So we've been very selective, very conservative. But going forward, we think now is a great time to be a little bit more aggressive. Rates have moved. We have a pretty good idea of where how much more rates can go. And we're getting better pricing. And just strategy-wise, there's more conservative deals out there, actually. Lower loan-to-value, so the actual investments themselves are less risky. And still significant upside from rent growth through renovations. That's where we make our money. We don't need to bank on appreciation just happening. We're actually making our appreciation. And if rent growth still continues organically, so be it. And if rates do move in a few years, if two years, three years from now, rates drop a point or two, that's going to be a significant amount of extra profit because if rates do drop, then the end buyer who eventually buys the building, the lower cost of capital, and that leads should lead to a lower cap rate and more money in our pocket. Going back to the beginning, when you talk about how do you get involved, there's a lot of conferences out there. And one of the best ways is to go attend a live event, meet other investors and learn about their strategies, get good references. That's the best way to get references as well as meet other investors who are invested with potential partners. And passive investing is not always passive. So for example, three weeks ago, I traveled all the way from Puerto Rico to Laguna Niguel, California. There was a two-day event at the Ritz-Carlton there. Certainly not going to talk about tough life having to go from Puerto Rico to Laguna Niguel and stay at the Ritz for a conference, but it was an expensive event and between travel, hotel, but it was great because we saw eight different sponsors gave presentations on their business. Three of them we'd already known previously, but we also got to spend a lot more time really doing a deep dive into their business model, their properties, their successes, their challenges, and met a few new sponsors as well. And even though they were somewhat new to us, was able to meet some of the investors that were there at the conference that have invested successfully with them as well. So that's some of the most valuable diligence possible is to meet someone else who's had success with a group. That's really big part of the diligence. So also got to network with a hundred plus passive investors and learn about what's working for them, what's not, and really really dive into just where what's keeping them up at night, what their goals are, and what we can do better at JCAM as a firm to just provide better support and better opportunities to our investors. 
So again, being a passive investor is not always passive. It just means that you're not the one getting a call at 2 a.m. if the apartment is flooded. There's still a lot of work on finding, vetting, and nurturing relationships and monitoring our partners, monitoring economic conditions, interest rates, inflation, et cetera. So the last thing I want to talk about today is just explaining the preferred return. I'd mentioned earlier about the REITs and their dividends, although for tax purposes, they have to distribute 90% of the income that comes in. There's no preferred return. It's not a guarantee. And really, incentives are not always aligned. However, on most syndications and also in the JCAM funds, the preferred return has to be paid first before we earn any of our profit split. Now, many of these value-add apartment deals, there's not enough cash flow the first year to pay the preferred return. It's not a loan, but it is a return that needs to be paid first. So often what will happen is we pay an 8% preferred return, but the first year, the property rents only add up to about a 5% return. So we'll pay, and we pay quarterly, we'll pay out 5% and then accrue the extra 3%. So then the next quarter, the rents are enough to pay the full 8%. So we'll pay the full 8%, but that 3% is still accrued and still has to get caught up. So all of a sudden, year two, we've renovated 30% of the units, rents are up 30% or more. Now the property spits off a 10% return. So now we're paying the 8% current, and then we catch up on 2% that was still accrued. There's still 1% left the following quarter it pays 15% comes in. So now we catch up the 1%, we pay the 8% for that quarter, and now we have extra capital. And what we start doing then in most cases is actually returning principal. So you can almost think of it like a line of credit where you actually, to some extent, lend money, even though it's technically not a loan, it's equity, and you need to be paid back your principal with your preferred return before any profit split happens with the operator. So move forward to year three, and then the building sells. At that point, any preferred return that's left for that quarter is paid, and then you get a return of your capital. Only then are the profits split, and it's typically about a 70-30 split, where let's say there's a million dollars profit, 700,000 goes to all of the investors that are passive. And the manager, at that point, that's when they really get paid because they've already paid a preferred return. They've paid annually, call it 8%. And once you've got all your money back and you've made your 8% annually, at that point, that's when the incentives kick in. And that's where interests are very much aligned because whether it's us as JCAM or whether it's individual deal syndication, the manager needs to pay the pref and give you all your money back. And that's when the upside kicks in for the manager. So it's in everyone's best interest to grow the rents, grow the net operating income, and eventually sell the building for a profit. The tax advantages, again, just to be clear on that, we use accelerated depreciation on a majority of our deals. So what typically happens is if you invest the very first year, you get a large paper loss. Now, if you have other rental properties or other passive income, that could actually offset your passive income. And in the given year, you might save 30 40% per dollar invested off of your taxes. If you don't have other passive income, then the paper loss can just carry forward. And what that means is that 8% preferred return we pay, that is tax deferred. You're getting $8,000 in your pocket off of 100,000 investment. And 
you have a loss of fifty or sixty thousand dollars on paper. So that eight thousand comes against your loss, and you have eight thousand in your pocket that you don't need to pay tax on for a number of years. So I'd like to remind everyone: it is December, and it's tax time. It's time to plan the best you can to mitigate your taxes for 2022. One of the speakers at that recent conference mentioned, "Do you have a tax mitigation plan?" And yeah, this is something I really like to do, really like to chat with our investors. We're not CPAs ourselves, but we work very closely with our investors, CPAs, and I'm living it myself. I spend a lot of time looking at our funds investments and my personal investments and tracking what my tax rate will be for the year and what investments I can make that first and foremost generate a strong return, but secondarily what can help mitigate taxes for the year. And it's part of a balanced portfolio. And I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to the tax side of things when they're making their investments. So that's it for today. We'll see you in the next episode. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra connected and ultra wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.